Hey, 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 hey. How are you? Are you good? Oh, listen, stay standing. This place is amazing. I think it's two years since I came here last time. And it's grown. And it's, it's grown. Your hearts have grown. The music is filling the place. Your hearts are more secure. You know Christ more. A lot of you used to be square pegs and round holes. And now you're square pegs and square holes. You found your place. Uh-huh. This is a new day. The old's gone, you know. Take your foot off the brake. Put your foot on the accelerator. This is, this is your season. This is your time. This is it. You know, some, even some things aren't even seasons. They're eras. And this is for a lot of you in this room. This is a brand new era. Not just a brand new season. This, this won't finish. This is a new you for a new day. And so, see this? Like, this is weird, right? Because, because inside, I, bought some, I bought a present, right? I don't know if you've heard of TK Maxx, but TK Maxx, do you have it here? And uh, we get brand names, right? Like, like cheap, right? And, uh, and I thought, I'm going to buy Danielle a gift. And, uh, and so then I, then, then I searched around and thought, I'm going to get her a handbag, right? So I took the handbag home. And, uh, and for the last two weeks, right, uh, I've uh, flown from uh, Australia, from uh, England to Australia, from Australia to KL, from KL back to Australia, from Australia to New Zealand, back from New Zealand yesterday, carrying this. And I knew I'd made an error. I mean, I should have just bought a necklace. Or something like that. But, and it's also been opened at Manchester Airport. They said, what's in there, pal? I said, oh, you're not going to rip it open, I said, We are going to rip it open. So it's drug-free, which is a bit of a shame for Danielle. But, hey, why have I got two microphones here anyway? What's, what's going on? Who's the, where's the stage man? What's going on? I'm not that good. I mean, yeah, okay, thanks. You're doing a fairly good job. And uh, I love Danielle. This present's worth it. I mean, I did get it on discount, right? But it is a brand name. And, uh, but John and Danielle, how good are they, you know? I call, um, I call John the, the, the Mal Meninga of the Christian faith. Just that... Like, he's kind of like in charge of the rugby team, you know, scoring goals, um, just an absolute powerhouse for Jesus Christ. And I call Danielle Baby Spice. And, uh, you know, I just think that as a combination, Mal Meninga and Baby Spice, I just think, don't you think that's a great combination, you know? It's just... Because all of you fit, if they were bookends, all of you are a book that fit within those bookends, you know? Somewhere in between, somewhere in between John and Danielle, that's where you fit. That's what makes this church so great. It's not carbon copy. There's, there's, no, there's no print, there's no mold. There's just no mold in this place. What's happening? Christians love molds. There's, just, there's no mold within this place. I mean... Look at Brendan. There's definitely no mold in this place. I love you guys so much. Thanks so much for having me. And Danielle, this is all the way from the United Kingdom, from TK Maxx. Give it up for Danielle.
<laughs> oh my gosh, my gosh. Jai, how are you? Good looking like Keith Urban. How are you? You're doing a great job, you know. Like a great job. Got a great voice. How long are you playing guitar for? Four years? That's not long. Four years. Uh huh. Properly. And how old are you? 25. And obviously married. Oh, not married. Not married. Well, this is a good vantage point, isn't it? Who walks in you? No, it is. It's perfect positioning for Jai, isn't it? Like here. Check it out, you know. Check it out. Spots down at the back there. Sends one of his guys down afterwards, you know, that the worship leader just wants to a chat. You know. Oh, give Jai a hand. Just doing a great job, Jai. A great job. Oh gosh. So uh, well let's take let's let's take our seats and um, I thought I'd start uh, this morning uh, with, a, with a survey. Um, last time I, I, a couple of times ago when I came here, um, I asked a hypothetical question and I'm going to give you some more hypothetical, oh you guys can take your seats as well, you know. Thanks Nick, Mr. Rhythm, Mr. Mr. Rag and Bone Man, if ever you've seen him, you've got your own Rag and Bone Man on stage here, very cool look. Very cool. Just the beard needs to be a bit longer. Mm. Awesome. Quick, get off, get off. Off you go. Okay. If a man is in a forest, he's all alone, and there's no woman present for miles, and he expresses an opinion, is he still wrong? Like, is the answer A, 100% of the time, or B, 100% of the time? Okay, so that's the hypotheticals, right? Number two, if a man tells his wife he'll be home in 10 minutes, when will he be home? A, in 20 minutes. B, within the hour. C, wait for the second call. Uh-huh. If a woman says she'll be ready in 10 minutes... Number four. <laughs> if a man is given a list of groceries to pick up from the nearest supermarket, how many essential items that were on the list will be missing? A, 50%. B, 75%. Number five. If a man is asked to do a job like fixing the patio furniture, how many weeks will it eventually take him to do it? A, six months. B, two years. C, it's still not done. Uh-huh. 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 We're just figuring it out, aren't we? We're just dreaming about it. You know, don't disturb us in our brilliance. This is the way men work. Number six, if a man says he can't find something in the fridge or the cupboard, 
What percent of the time is the actual item staring at him in the face? Is it A, 100%? B, 99.5%? Last question. If a man makes a move on his wife, how much of the time is it an inappropriate time? Like, too late, too early, wrong time of the month, too tired, too headachey, too anxious, or there's too much to do right now? Is the answer A, 100% of the time? Well, I'm, uh, just to be personal, I'm running at 100%, menopausal 100%. But the good news is they say it will last approximately six years. So I'm going to talk about how to have a slightly better marriage. And because I'm sick of the books by Ken and Barbie, Pastor Ken. You know, Pastor Ken with the head plugs, you know, and Barbie with the ceramic teeth that just look too good to be true. What are they creating over in California? Because somehow when you read it, I'm I'm thinking, my marriage is the worst marriage that has ever been in existence on planet Earth. Because what they're doing is they're whipping me with perfectionism. And you know, the greatest curse in the church isn't rebellion. The greatest curse in the church is perfectionism. Because you can never reach perfection. And everybody's trying to have a brilliant marriage. And in trying to have a brilliant marriage, you're ruining your marriage. Because you're putting so much pressure on it. You're heating it up so hot that all it can do is burn under the pressure of keeping up with the Joneses and trying to reach for the skies. All you need is a slightly better marriage. Because the hallmark of Christianity, it's not perfection. The hallmark of Christianity is transformation. That we'll be transformed from glory to glory. That there's an increase going on. There's a better version of the marriage coming up. But it's a journey. And if you think that you can reach the end of this journey, just simply in this lifetime, there's something wrong. There's too higher an expectation on you. And most people are crushed by high expectation. What you need isn't a brilliant marriage. What you need is a better marriage. That's all. So let me just start by saying that my wife and I, I don't know if you ever met her, but we're really different. We've married 33 years, right? I'm thinking, you're so different. So different to me. And you know, because, because when it comes to love languages, my, my, my love language is words of affirmation. And she always forgets. Like I try to remind her. I've just, I said, listen, just let's have some WIA time. She's, she's, she sits, like, 
even when she texts me, she doesn't even put a full stop on the end of the text. Like for a sensitive guy. I mean, surely you, surely you could just press emoji. You don't need to give me the love hearts guy. Just give me a yellow heart. Just, just give me the monkey with his hands over his eyes. Do something cute. Because I'm an emoji guy. I'm a words guy. She's straight in, straight out. Not even a full stop girl. And I tell her and tell her and tell her and tell her. It's just going nowhere. And then her love language is acts of service. And no matter how many acts of service I do for her, it's like a bottomless pit. I mean, I could do 20 jobs today and tomorrow she's starving for jobs. And no matter how much I remind her of the jobs I did yesterday, she's still starving for jobs. Oh, what a pain. I just thank God, though, that her love language isn't quality time. I can't think of anything worse than just hanging around on the lounge chair. Just hanging. What are you doing, Dave? Just hanging around quality time, you know. But it's amazing how, how God hitches you up with someone totally different from you. Like, like sometimes I'd love, I'd, I'd love, sometimes I think, wouldn't it be great to be married to someone similar? Oh no. No, God had something else in mind. So I'll give you someone the exact opposite of you, Dave. But I've discovered this, right? That because she's the opposite, we're complementary. And because we're complementary, it means there's something working in our marriage that, that might not be all fun, but it's, it's fruitful. And I think that when it comes to marriage, there's a spectrum. And over here on the spectrum, this is the Hollywood part of marriage. There's enjoyment. We're loving it. We're loved up. Live in a love shack. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah, but that's enjoyment. But on God's spectrum over here is effectiveness. What are you doing with your life? Where are you going with your life? And somehow all of us have been duped and thinking that marriage is all about enjoyment and personal fulfillment. It's not. Marriage is about two becoming one because they get a greater reward for their work. And the reason why they're the opposite is because you guys are a team. We're Team Gilpin. We're hitting it out of the park. But if it was just Team Dave and Team Davina, we'd be in trouble. I mean, imagine two, two sanguines married together, identical. They, they wouldn't get anything done. They'd be having a great time, all loved up. But nowhere to go. Imagine two phlegmatics together. They wouldn't even be, they wouldn't be up now because they haven't even got a watch. They, they forgot to charge up their phone. You know, there's just phlegmatics. Oh, it's not charged. Yeah, as expected, phleg. Yeah, yeah. You know, and two cholerics just be banging heads together banging heads together, you know, and, and two melancholics just be in tears. 
this, this, is, this, is what, this is what Ecclesiastes says about your marriage. It says, you know, two are, two are better than one because they got a good return for their labor. Sounds like they're going on a journey. Sounds like they're, they're trying to rip planet Earth up for some reason. And if either of them falls on the road of destiny, See, you're born for a purpose, not just for pleasure. Hollywood says pleasure. God says purpose. The other one can help them up, but pity the one who falls and has nobody to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Uh, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a three-fold cord, a, three, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Your marriage is more about conquest than it is about contentment. But you keep putting it through the filter of contentment and you think pretty soon I'm out of here. It's because it's the wrong filter. And God's made you different for a reason because you're a team. And not everybody's a striker on team. Some are midfield, some are goalies, some in defense. But if everyone's a striker, what's going to happen when the ball cuts through the strikers? We're in big trouble here. And so God's made us different. And you and I need to take the demands off our partners and create a team that God wanted you to be in the first place. Uh-huh. Turn the person next to you and go, uh-huh. Okay, here's, here's, I'm going to do some, here's some more keys to how to have a better marriage. Number one, go back to your first love. Go back to the person that you first married. They're still there. Women underneath the flap, he's still there. Men under the gristle, she's still there. They're buried. But they're there. They're partly buried because of you. You buried them. Through comparison, you buried them. Through fear and unbelief. But they're still there. You need to pick up a shovel. Dig them out. And dig out the brilliance of who you first met and who you first fell in love with. And the Bible says, don't forsake. Revelations chapter 2 verse 4, don't forsake your first love. Get back to your first love. Get back to when you first saw them, first met them. Now for my wife and I, we met in King George Square in Brisbane. And uh, I was doing a little concert with our youth group from Salisbury in Brisbane. And she was from Northside Christian Family, Nexus Church. And she was in with her youth group. And, and we met each other. And uh, let me say this about me, that I don't know if you know this about me, but inside my mind is a circus. <laughs> like, it's, no, it's not just an ordinary circus. There are monkeys in here. I'm just an inch away from madness, but I'm, I'll be okay. So he says. And the monkeys have symbols. Just a noisy head. It just never stops. I hear voices. And when I met, when I met my wife, all of a sudden, this brain went silent. 
Like all the monkeys skidoo to just outside the circus tent. All these symbols left on the ground no longer banging together. I think, what is that? What, it, what that is, is the woman I first loved. That she quietened me. I've met thousands of women. Like thousands. Yeah, some tall, some short, some beautiful. Some beautiful in their own way. But I've never met anybody who skidoots the monkeys like my wife skidoots the monkeys. It's just, she's exceptional. That's the woman I married. She's exceptional. You know, sometimes, you know, there's love languages, and I've mentioned maybe four of them, but there's also the love language of presence, which everybody loves, right? But I, I, I call silence the sixth love, love language. The sixth one. Because you know when you go into a restaurant and, 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 uh, and you have a bit of a chat, you look over the table there and there's two people who are about 62 years of age and they haven't said a word to each other. And you think, oh, I'd hate to have it, such a bad marriage like those two, just so boring. Right. But they're actually exercising the sixth love language of quietness. You know, you, often there's, when you go to a restaurant, there's often a really noisy, the guy's a bit older than the girl. They're having an affair here. Well, that's how I like to think of it, right? Because what's the need? Like what's going on in the relationship that you're so unrelaxed that you've got to blah, blah all the time. She's got to giggle and blah, blah back all the time. What is going on? I would personally hate that. I just want to chill in silence and eat my steak. with no chitter-chatter. <laughs> but see, that's, that's because there's an understanding. We get each other. Some in this room have demeaned your marriage. They we're not talking anymore. It might be a gift for him anyway, right? <laughs> but it's because, it's, because, it's, because, it's because you get him and he gets you. You can't buy peace. If you were to sell it, every Hollywood A-lister would exchange their millions and billions for peace. And a lot of you are experiencing it with your partner, but you've denigrated it. You put it at the lowest on the list. You think that's because we're stone cold. No, 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 no. It's because you're vibing. You should say next time you go for dinner, hey, let's do some vibing. It's just, you're vibrating together, but there's not much being said, but it's excellent. You want to go back to your first love. Number two, don't let them become the single source of your emotional fulfillment. Nobody's born for it. No one's equipped to be the single source of someone's emotional fulfillment. It's, that's what happens to 16-year-olds. Is That's why infatuation never works. It's got to either morph into real love or it destroys itself. It blows itself up because, because nobody can handle being somebody else's sole supplier. You were never born for it. 
Stop living in each other's pockets. Stop, stop trying to check out his life on Facebook. Stop being so snoopy. Stop being so overattached because it'll collapse the relationship. I remember my mom when she was, mom and dad broke up when she was probably about 50 years of age. And I remember that he used to come home every now and again. And at 52 years of age, I remember he was about to leave to come back to Sydney. We lived in Canberra. And she was trying to give him a kiss through the window. And the more she poked her head through the window, the more he moved his head away from her. And it was like a desperate attempt on her behalf just to, be, just to be affirmed. But somehow she spent all of her life single sourcing. And you know, they, 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 they then after that got more and more distant. And happened. So mom's thinking, what's she going to do with her life? So she, she went back to school and she got her HSC. And it took her a few years to do that. And, and after that, she, she uh, went to Australian National University, ANU, and, uh, and she headed for a law degree. She failed three times. And so she switched to get an arts degree. And then she went back, and then she finally, at 60 years of age, she's got an arts law degree. At 60 years of age. And then she works for a company for five years, and then they said, well, you're going to have to retire now because you're 65. She's thinking, I just got my degree. What, what are you doing retiring me? So no one would employ her, so she started Gilpin and Associates. Started her own law firm. And at 72 years of age, she sold the law firm and lived off the assets. Do you know, I'll just say this, right? My dad loved her more when she was 72 than when she was 52 because her value went up because she was no longer single sourcing. Some of you need to play hard to get just a little bit because you need desperation. You're driving your world away through your insecurities. I've got, I've got some stats here that I thoroughly made up, but I think they're pretty good. <laughs> if you're... Emotional fulfillment was like 100%. Then I would say that 25% of your emotional needs should come directly by God. 25%. Like despite what the quiet time experts say, I would say 25%. 25% of your emotional needs should come from friends and family and from church. 25%. After today, you think, oh, I feel 25% fulfilled. 25% of your emotional needs should come from your partner. And then 25 of your emotional needs should come by what you do. A sense of achievement. A sense I'm, I'm going somewhere in life. Do you know when I add up, on, on my best days, when I add up the chart of emotional fulfillment, the best I ever gets like 90%. I feel lonely every single day of my life. And I'll tell you why. It's because I don't belong on this planet. I wasn't born for this planet. And all of you, you're visiting this planet. Some of you think, oh, I, just, I, just, I just want to find absolute contentment while alive. No, 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 because you're born for heaven on earth. And some of you just need to stop seeing a counselor. I feel lonely, feel lonely. Manage your loneliness. Loneliness is like a river. You just need to put some riverbanks on it and manage your emotions. Don't be delivered from it. 
It's a natural emotion because you don't belong here because you are heading to another land whose city and founder is God himself. That's where you belong. So you're going to feel dissatisfied. You know, a marriage isn't forever. A marriage is just for life, like a dog. It's just for life, but it's not, it's not forever. And some of you have been fooled by the celebrities in Hollywood, by the Brad and Angelinas, who, who kind of have shot out this idea of love is a love shack. <sighs> yeah, until it disintegrates before their eyes. Do you know that God, speaks your love language. Do you know, for, for, for my wife, i tell you something happened to my wife when she was about 19 years of age. She, she, she was looking for a, for a parking spot in the middle of Brisbane and, uh, and she had no money on her, right? And she felt the Spirit of God say to her, I want you to go into that, that car parking area, right, that has a barrier where a ticket comes out. You've got to pay for it. She said, I've got no money, Lord. This is 19 years of age. And so the car two in front, the guy pulled out the ticket, the bar went up, he drove through. The woman in front of her, she pulled out the ticket, the bar went up. When Jen came to the gate, no ticket came out, but the bar came up. And she went through, and because she's a goody two-shoes, or she was then, she, she went to the manager and said, hey, I've, like no ticket came out. He said, well, you can get in for free. Now that's an act of service. I mean, for a start, she's lazy. Go and park somewhere else. But that's an act of service. Why is it that she gets a free parking spot and I've never had a free parking spot in my life? It's because God's loving her with acts of service love language. God speaks your love language. You want to create an emotional dependency on God. You know, you won't find me ever in the book of Leviticus. You'll find me sleeping in the 24th chapter of Job. You'll rarely find me in First and Second Timothy because I'm always in the love language of affirmation, which means Isaiah. It means the Psalms. What am I doing? Feeding. What are you feeding on? Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. He's tattooed me on the flippin' palm of his hand. You don't get that in First Timothy. It's love language. It's love language. You know, some of you who are phlegmatic, you, the phlegmatic people here, you love quality time, which for God is the presence of God. Some people are presence of God junkies that that you know they they and what you what you're missing you need more carpet time you need to put on lauren dingle and lie down in the presence in the presence of god that's that's why you're itchy scratchy that's why your marriage isn't as good as it should be because you're straining the marriage to get what only god can give to you and if you sang one you usually your love language is is uh, physical touch and to God it's a touch from God when there's an altar you need to every now and again come down because you're sanguine what are you doing? feeding off the love language of a touch from God I can live without a touch from God I can live without with zero acts of service from God but you won't find me living without words of affirmation from God because that's my love affair 
That's how we do this thing. And the more I draw from God, the less I draw from Jen. And the less I draw from Jen, the happier Jen is. And the more content we are together. Uh Uh-huh. Number three is don't compare your partner to anybody else's partner. Can I hear an amen? Uh Uh-huh. Because when you do, you'll always be thinking that they're not funny enough. I don't agree with it too much if your husband's sitting next to you. (laughs) Is is that your husband? All right, okay. Well, we know what's happened there, hey? Gosh, okay. So you think they're not funny enough. They're not smart enough. They're not traveled enough. They're not sensitive enough. They're not sexy enough. They're not extrovert enough. That's what happens when you compare. You always compare somebody else's good side to someone closer's bad side. Let me, let me tell you something personally here because in terms of not comparison, there's some people in my life that, that are like the sun. When I say some people, it's some women, but I'm trying to disguise it a bit. Right? Like when I meet him, my world lights up. Because I live in, in a world where I'm trying to rescue people from the gates of hell. And, and somebody says, somebody comes along with sunshine on a rainy day. I love them. I adore them. They light my life up. They're, they're warm. I love warm people. I adore it. Some people are like the wind. They're just so refreshing. They're slightly out of the box. You feel, you feel like you feel refreshed after you've been with them for half an hour. It's just beautiful. They blow out the cobwebs. I adore people like that. And some people are like the beach. They're just, they're just always constantly playing beach volleyball. And they'll say, Dave, do you want to play? Yes, I do. Yes, I do want to play. Why do you want to play so much, Dave? Because I spend my life trying to pull people from the gates of hell. And it's depressing. I've got the burden of a flipping church on me. I've got to build the church. I mean, I'm building the church. I mean, of course I want to play. I feel great playing beach volleyball with the volleyball crew. Now, my wife, she's not like the sun. Let's just say that. She's not like the wind. And she definitely doesn't do volleyball. But then I realized, well, who is she? I've realized she's not the sun, she's not the wind, she's not the beach. She's the ocean. There's something about her that there's something mysterious about my wife. I've been married 33 years, I still don't understand who you are. She's got a distant shore that goes over the horizon that's a mystery to me where she disappears to. 
And sometimes she's brooding and she's menacing, but, but it's beautiful. Like, who am I married to? I wrote a poem for her. Would you like to hear it? Well, it's none of your business. It's, it's, it's a personal poem that's just between me and my wife, and, and she really doesn't want me to share it with anyone, but if you say so. It's called Nobody. You have the keys on. You can play the theme from Titanic because something, something's, about, something's about to go down in this room. My heart will go on. Thanks, Celine. You're a turquoise ocean. Beautiful. Alive. You're listening. Within you is the deeper than deep, the near and far. You live where the distant ocean touches another world. It's a world of angels. Where God speaks. When your heart laps its shores. Your voice brings heaven to earth. In the unseen world, the waves of heaven pound and crash upon the earth while you speak. The hungry hear, the humble rise. You're a beauty. You're a rose. Always poised for more. Like Mary at the wedding day, you, you cry, do it now, Lord. You're always ready, always waiting, always listening. Like the angels of Jacob, you live ascending and descending a ladder that unites the two worlds. You're astonishing. Here's my favorite line. You're like heaven's top model. Yet you live with me and are loved by me. Who else gets you in their lifetime? Nobody. Brownie points. It was a good night, let's just say. But you know, you don't want to compare. All I've got to do is make sure that I don't raise the sail to the wind. And make sure that I keep the beach the normal size and don't double it to half a mile wide beach. It's got to make sure I don't get sunburnt by the sunbringers. That's all. 25% emotional fulfillment by the sun givers, the wind givers the beach players but the ocean there's nothing like the ocean I've got to finish because I've got to pack up right now she's down there you just got to dig her out he's still there he's still there and what you appreciate appreciates it grows the Bible says where your treasure is your heart follows how do you fall in love again not by falling in love again but by treasuring by treasuring the more you treasure your heart follows you I gotta finish on my new running shoes just help me get across them I've got some books if you buy three you can get the fourth one free Jesus saved me from your followers up the creek without a paddle a diary of my pain 
if you think you can, if you think you can't, you're both right. The Hit Factory, it's my newest book, and this is my wife's newest book, is called Prophesy. This holds the ocean. It's a beautiful book. And then lastly, my book about human rights is called Man Boobs. I'm going to speak tonight on middle child syndrome. It's the third reason why people leave churches. And it's why people leave and end up in the wilderness in this world. It's because of middle child syndrome. You, you don't need to be the middle one. It's just that if you're not the youngest one, it's a syndrome that curses mankind. I'm going to talk all about it tonight. I think, you, I think it'd be good for you to come back tonight. Let me pray for you. Lift your hands. Father, from the back to the front of the God. A threefold chord. Father, we bring you back into the equation, Lord God. I can't believe that you speak our language, God. I can't believe that you speak our language. But it's true, Lord, because you're a lover of our souls. It's true, Lord God, because you've etched us like a tattoo on the palm of your hand. Father God, you are beautifully for us. And I pray, Lord God, you'd fill this place with a love affair from heaven. Fill this place, Lord, with a love affair with loved ones and let appreciation appreciate the value and let it bring in the love affair we come back to our first love in Jesus name and from the back to the front I'm just going to ask because some of you have tried to be a twofold chord some of you a single chord but you need God and if you could bring God back in you'll be You'll become like my mum. You'll become more attractive, and less desperate because you'll have your needs met from heaven. If that's you right now and you're a backslider, come back. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, come on, let's do it right now. You can do it through a simple prayer. This is the prayer. Everybody help me out. Dear Lord Jesus, you're amazing. I never knew the extent of your love. Forgive me of my sins my explosions, my waywardness. I come to you and I ask you to come inside me, to live with me all the days of my life. Be my Lord, my leader, my shepherd, in Jesus' name. Every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer, the shortest prayer in the world, Dad, but if you did pray it, I want you to do something for me. When I count to three, I want you to lift up your right hand and leave it up till all the hands are up. But this is your line in the sand moment. It's symbolic. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to get you out the front, but it's symbolic. And symbolism is important to draw a line in the sand between how you used to be to how you will be. And so if you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart with every eye closed in this room, except for me and just a few other people, when I count to three, I want you to lift up your right hand, leave it up till all the hands are up. This is for every backslide, everybody who sincerely prayed that short prayer. Three, two, one, lift, lift, lift it up, lift it up. Yep. My left hand side of the back, there's one hand, there's two hands that have gone up, there's a third hand, there's a, and my back right hand side, there's a fifth hand, a fourth hand, there's a fifth hand, there's a sixth hand, uh, maybe seven hands or something like that. Father, this is precious and this is incredible, Lord God. We thank you that we walk by grace, not by works. We thank you that you help us in our time of need. And so help them in their time of need and bless them. Be their peace, be their prosperity, be their strength, be their power, Lord God. 
and be their shepherd. You can put your hands down in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Hey, God bless you. See ya.